It's another Sunday Night in Comedy, and tonight we're celebrating some of Canada's most influential, infamous, and game-changing comedians of color. It's the 10-year anniversary of the Underground Railroad Tour, with a full panel of crowd killers taking this larger-than-life show on the road. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to an all-new Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto and, of course, streaming coast-to-coast on the Global News Radio Network, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Because the world's stuck in 2020, and now your vision can be too. It is a new month of comedy. We're entering a new season of live shows. The lockdown has lifted-ish. Of course, we've said that about 10 different times this past season, so who knows? But for now, clubs are reopening yet again. Tours are happening yet again. Hopefully within a couple months, festival season will be back. But again... Fingers crossed, because we've been down this road a time or two before on this season. Uh, we got our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the line. How are you doing, buddy? I know you're in a good mood. What a time to be alive, Dean. What a time to be alive. Uh, you know, a lot's happened. A lot has happened, even since last week's show, of course, uh, here in Toronto and here in Ontario. Yes, our lockdown is lifting. But even all more our, than that, Dean. All of our friends, the comedy clubs, they're reopening again. Our friends in Montreal are hopefully not too far behind us. So hopefully things are turning around as we get towards the latter half of this season here. Uh, for you, Vince, on a yes, personal Dean. note, good news for you. Your Cincinnati Bengals are in the, they're going to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, baby. Super Bowl bound. I'm very happy about that. It was a week ago today that we clinched our ticket, punched our ticket to Super Bowl, what is it, 56? Well, but, yeah, very happy. We also celebrated Chinese New Year this year. or this Chinese week, New Year? This week. And then, yep, February now, we're into it. Black History Month. A lot to be thankful for. There's a lot to be thankful for. And by the way, hopefully Chinese New Year is now our actual New Year. Because yeah. New Year's Eve, we're all going, okay, that's it. 2020 and 2021 are over. Let's wash our hands of it. And of course, bam, a whole new lockdown happened literally the following day. So hopefully this is our fresh start. Again, our friends at Comedy Bar reopening. They're already selling out shows. People are reserving shows for the new Second City. Clubs are opening up across the city. Tours are happening again. Uh, But a big one here, Vince, it is, of course, Black History Month, uh, all February long. So we're going to talk to some of our friends on tonight's show from the Underground Railroad Comedy Tour, which actually turns 10 years old. Yeah, big anniversary for them. Nice milestone. Ten years. That's a nice milestone. Not a lot of, uh, especially independent tours in Canadian comedy, make it to a milestone like that. And also, coming out of this this most recent lockdown and coming out of the pandemic, this is really one of the first tours going beyond the city and actually going out touring to come back from all this. This is one of the first ones right out of the gate. That's it, baby. I also want to point out that uh, amidst the panel that we have today, Full House that we have uh, with great comedians on this great show. Uh, it is also the year of the tiger. The year of the tiger. Ooh, there yeah. you go. That's why, Vince. Bangles That's tiger. why you're bangled. There you go. Let's it's kick also, it off, baby. 
it's all meant to be. Uh, but we're going to pick, we have a full panel of five talking about the Underground Railroad comedy tour hitting the 10 year mark, which again, that's huge in Canadian comedy. Uh, so we're going to pick their brains on what this tour is all about, where they see it going from here, what cities they're hitting and all that good stuff. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Helping you eye roll so damn hard at this insane garbage fire that we're all stuck in. It is, I, I'm excited about tonight's show though, because it's been like an entire month kicking off the new year of talking about how everything was closed again. But as me and Vince were saying earlier on, everything is reopening. Shows are coming back here in Toronto. Clubs are reopening. Live comedy is blossoming again. And tours are coming back. And tonight, of course, we are going to talk the Underground Railroad Comedy Tour, which now hits the 10-year mark, which is actually huge in Canadian comedy. Not a lot of shows and not a lot of tours hit that decade mark, especially independently produced stuff, which I feel like that's finally the way Canadian comedy is going, I think. is is It's the indie producers and the comics that are driving all this stuff. That's that's what I say, but we got a full house. We'll go around and kick it off. Keisha Brownie joins us. How are you doing? I'm good, Dean. I'm good. Thanks for having me, man. It's this is great. I kind of like the whole virtual feel. You know, it's 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 less work for us, right? Like we don't even have to wear pants. So um, <laughs> I'm I'm too soon, too soon for the it's viewer. True. But anyway, I'm, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. I haven't worn pants on this show in two and a half seasons, so that's absolutely true. Speaking oh, of virtual comedy, we have once again on the show, joined us not too long ago, Daniel Woodrow, the man, one of the co-creators behind the Unknown Comedy Club, which is, of course, completely in the digital realm. Daniel, like we were saying during the break before we kicked off the show, you, you did Metaverse before there was a Metaverse, man. Well, I mean, there's been a metaverse for a long time, but, you know, I was in there dipping and dabbling, you know, get trying to figure out what's going on. I, we honestly didn't know what was going to happen. We were just, it was actually because of the tour last year. That was kind of before we launched the comedy club and we were kind of just like, let's try running these shows online since we usually do it, you know, live. We travel to Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, and like around that's usually the funnest parts, but it actually worked out really nicely. And so we decided to keep doing shows and then we just haven't stopped. I want to stop, but we can't. That is a good problem to have though right now, Daniel. Not everybody comedy, <laughs> unless you happen to live in Alberta has that problem right now. We have a first time guest on the show joining us as part of this 10 year anniversary. We've got Sash Kadia on the line. How you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Where it's this, the 10 year thing is huge, by the way, because again, I mean, it really doesn't, not a lot of indie tours hit, hit that mark and sort of become this comedy brand that is self-built by comics and by producers. So, I mean, COVID even aside, if we're going back to the happier, simpler times of pre-pandemic Canadian comedy, that really wasn't a thing. Comics would try to put together their own tours and branch out across Canada and maybe do it once and, you know, break even and never do it, never do it again. Yeah. Uh, and of course, hugely timely, this is Black History Month now, so we are celebrating comics of color in Canada, so there's a lot to get into on tonight's panel. Uh, we also got Kevin Christopher on the line. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm here. What's going on? How are you guys doing? <laughs> you are here. Everybody. I haven't mastered the green screen yet, so we're just going to get green screen. I don't know. I feel like everybody that we have had on this show before at this point has been on at least once during the pandemic because... We all thought it would last a month, and yeah. we were terribly mistaken about no. everything. <laughs> we're still in the beginning of it. 
We're still, well, oh God, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> what matters yeah. is this tour is happening again and, yeah. you know, live shows are a part of it. Finally, it's not completely digital. And mm-hmm. last but certainly not least, our friend Tamara Siobhan, who joined us actually not too long ago with the new album that dropped. Tamara is also on this tour. How are you doing tonight? I, um, yeah, I'm good. I'm actually feeling pretty good. I, um, I didn't mind this past lockdown because I needed a lot of sleep, so. <laughs> <laughs> You know, That's good. You guys I mean, are good? Everything's good? Everything's good. You did manage to, I mean, considering that, you know, especially being based in Toronto, we were in the part of the country where things really were on pause. Uh, but again, Canadian comics are nothing if not resourceful. And we learned that, <laughs> you know, comics in this country are diehard. And you all sort of figured out a way how to, obviously you wanted to be out there live on stage and doing clubs and doing tours and all that stuff. But even when you couldn't, I mean... You stayed pretty busy. You dropped an album. You stayed working. You put stuff out there. Yeah, that was pretty hard to do. It's hard to stay motivated sometimes, but yeah, I love the sound of my own voice so much that I just thought, <laughs> why don't we make sure everyone hears it all the time? And we so, do. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a lot going on for this panel this month too. I mean, yes, the the Underground Railroad tour turns ten, which again, huge huge milestone there. Uh, and there's a lot associated with it. There's an album coming out that coincides with that. Uh, a couple of you are also taking over Sirius XM for the entire month of February and just highlighting comics in Canada. So I guess Keisha and Daniel, we'll flip it over to you guys first here. How did Again, 10, 10 years is a huge milestone in Canadian comedy. And I remember the early on, the first couple of years of Underground Railroad. How did this whole thing come together in the first place? Um, no, I don't. That's like more <laughs> Rodney and... Yeah, Andrew Searles and Rodney kind of. Ramsey had originally... Actually, we just had talked about this recently. They, um, like, Andrew, I think, was going to be producing some shows in Montreal. He was trying to figure out the theme, and Rodney's like, he's like, yeah, well, maybe I should do this. And then uh, Rodney's like, uh, no, uh, actually, we should do an all-black show. And then uh, he was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then that was, like, the first year was a single show. I wasn't on that. And then maybe I was, actually. I think, I think was. you were. I, I came I was. on, like, later. On like, yeah, I can't remember. I came on later, and I was like, yeah. wow. And then, I like, uh, I took on more of a producing role starting the second year. I think I started to run the Toronto shows, and then I would help with the Ottawa shows. And then, like, I kind of just became full on from there. And Andrew Searles, about five years ago, moved to L.A., so it's most it's just been me and Rodney ever since. And, um, yeah, like, I think it just kind of came about because we realized there isn't, like, there's legitimately places that have never seen black comedy. Like, you know, the, the, there's not a lot of black comedians in Canada and the circuit is so big. Like you have to drive so far. So you might not go to the middle of Alberta to do a show. So we kind of were just like, why don't we showcase that across the country? And now that we get to do it virtually, it's even great because we can get people from anywhere. It's easier, yeah. 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 And I want to get into all that about, you know, where you sort of saw this thing going at the beginning and what, what this tour looks like. We're going to come back on Inside Jokes with more of 10 years of the Underground Railroad Comedy Tour. I think one of the first tours coming out of the gate of this lockdown, too, by the way, coming back in Canadian comedy. We're going to come back with more of our panel right here on Inside Jokes. Hey, what's up, guys? It's your girl, comedian Keisha Brownie, and I'm hanging out inside Inside Jokes. You see what I did there? Like, anyway, it's it's all good. We're, it's a good time. 
Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio. Ah, f- ah whatever. <laughs> right here on 640 Toronto. We keep changing the name of the station, and I forget. Uh, it is February. It's an all-new month of comedy. It is, of course, Black History Month, and we are talking Underground Railroad Comedy Tour, which hits 10 years on this tour. Uh, before the break, we were talking to some of the comics, co-producers of the tour. Daniel Woodrow, we were talking to you just before the break about how you know, when this whole thing started and, and when you jumped on board as a producer and sort of took over the reins, did you, I mean, even back then, when you remember doing some of those earlier shows, did you see it becoming sort of a brand in Canadian comedy and lasting for this long? Did you see this happening, um, growing like this? Yeah, yeah, like, well, that was the hope. I mean, I feel like whenever I start something, I mean, Ronnie starts something or do something, it's kind of just like, let's go all in and see what happens. You know, like I, I'm like a try everything once kind of person for sure. Like, you know, might as well try the show, see how it goes. If it doesn't work, we won't do it. And like we had like a massive response the first year. We got like actually like a lot of press and we didn't have like a publicist or anything. We just like kind of just like people were really interested and we had really good turnout. So we just kept like did it again. Ottawa really came through for us. That, that was like one of our we'd usually get like a couple hundred people. And I remember there was like one year there was like we had to turn away like 80 to 100 people. It was like ridiculous. And, uh, you know, so we're like, okay, this is like a thing people obviously want to see. But the logistics of touring in Canada are very hard because it's like, yeah, if you want to go to Vancouver, you have to fly people out. And then like, you got to raise the price of the tickets, have a huge venue. So we really focus in like Ontario, Quebec, and then maybe one or two shows out there where we fly a couple of people out or drive out. We've also done like, tours where we went to the east coast and just did shows out there but like there's definitely a demand for it because people like don't have a lot of access to comedy in a lot of these places one and two maybe they're just bored of seeing the same type of comedy all the time well another thing too because canada i mean for road work we talk about this a lot on this show we talk to comics out in the west coast because yeah out there you can play alberta and bc and hit those you know, that sort of same circuit and, and make some money and reach a crowd but if you're going actually across the country in canadian comedy it's tough because you leave the major cities and then all of a sudden you're driving, you know, eight hours to go play some Legion hall in some town and you could sell out that town, but it's, you're spending like two thirds of your time on the road. And it's really, you know, you have to go out there and sort of pound the pavement and self-promote it. I mean, Daniel and Keisha, you both producing is a different animal. It's a tough thing, especially as a comic to sort of, you know, keep your brain on your material and, and keep your voice and try to focus on yourself as a comic and self-produce at the same time. And you both have always had a knack for that. I mean, you're you're able to, I mean, Keisha, you do stand-up stitches. You're, you know, you could sell out the Rose Theater in Brampton. It's it's a tough thing to promote like that and to build this. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely um, <clears throat> another side of the whole business, you know, but um, like we were talking about earlier, I think a lot of comics are really getting good at it. Like, you know, we're, you know, giving back to ourselves. And it's it's really nice to see before when I started, it was just um, a couple of people producing shows. 
Daniel, I remember you had like Perfect 10. You were like, that was one of the best shows at the Comedy Bar at one time. And now we're all like, everyone on this panel has their own show. They yeah. produce. So, I'm uh, glad people produce their I'm own shows. Yeah. People weren't really doing that at first. And it was really hard to just rely on the clubs. But like Comedy Bar really changed that for Toronto. Oh, yeah. It is true. And even I remember, you know, 10 years ago when Comedy Bar was sort of a newer thing and around the time when this tour started, Comedy Bar back then, Daniel was basically just you and Pat McDonald taking turns selling out the room. <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty much what it was. So, I mean, even yeah. back then with your earlier shows, you figured out a way how to sort of build your own audience and bring in bring in those crowds off the street. I think one thing that's interesting to point out about this tour also, and you kind of touched on it before the break, is... You know, before the Underground Railroad tour, I mean, Daniel, you were talking about how you'd go perform in small town Canada. Nobody had ever seen anything in Canadian comedy except for kind of the same stuff we grew up watching on the galas on TV, which was like. And it was five... old archive material, too. Yeah. Like, it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was like five different white guys in sport coats. <laughs> it's kind of what Canadian comedy was for a long time. I mean, I kind of want to pick everybody on the panel's brains about this one, but I mean, it, I, I'm almost curious, like who were your influences coming up as far as comics of color went? Because really the only person we ever saw in comedy on Canadian television for years was Kenny. It was Kenny Robinson. I mean, there's a reason why we all call him the godfather in Canadian mm -hmm. comedy. Absolutely. And here in Toronto, you know, he was doing, and I know a lot of you have played that stage, but here in Toronto for 25 plus years, he was doing the Nubian show. And that was really the only stage where a lot of upcoming comics could get that stage time and could get that audience. Yeah. Tamara, I want to, I mean, I'll pick your brain on this one first, Tamara. I mean, for you, who was it that you sort of watched and listened to coming up that made you want to get into this? Because again, I feel like a lot of audiences that are around now and a lot of comics that are around now really didn't see themselves reflected in Canadian comedy. Yeah, I mean, I watched a lot of Comic View on BET when I was growing up. So like Cedric the Entertainer, uh, D.L. Hughley, like that kind of stuff. Wanda Sykes, that's what I watched growing up. So that was where my influences were. Um, I was, shouldn't have been watching it for sure because I was like 10. <laughs> but um you turned out fine did i though <laughs> but yeah i grew up watching that i didn't really um i watched a lot of bet when i was growing up so i did see a lot of myself represented but um not so much in canadian content at all actually so i didn't really know i wanted to be a comedian until i left the city <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it's it was kind of this weird. I mean, Sashka, I'll pick your your brain, and then Kevin's on this as well. I mean, who who was it for you that you watched growing up? Because Canadian comedy really was this weird sort of, you know, we're a country that produces comedy. A lot of the greatest comics have come from Canada over the years, uh, but we also and and we love to consider ourselves a melting pot, which culturally, yes, we are. But it wasn't really ever reflected in our comedy. You had to watch American stuff in Canada. It was really like. Ron James and sort of that generation of guys. And that was kind of it. Um, for me personally, like I kind of the same boat with Tamara where I did watch like comedy network and everything else. And that's kind of where I started seeing comedy. Most of them were white, but uh, one day randomly Kenny Robinson was on the TV and I got to like hear someone talk about like their Canadian experience or like, like what it's like to be black here. And that kind of started me on like figuring out like, oh, comedy is a thing I can do with this color. Um, 
and, and then I mean like definitely like watching American comics as well but like I think um I'm really lucky to kind of be in a pool of people that I admired for a while like I I watched Tamara on stage before I became a comedian like I watched Keisha I, I saw Daniel like there's a lot of people that I, I get to be around that I actually look up to which is amazing and I mean Kevin I'll throw it over to you I mean who was it for you that sort of that you always watched and maybe looked up to coming up because again it was really a small pool in Canada realistically I didn't really think about comedy in a sense of getting on stage and telling jokes and stuff like that I just knew funny is funny and when I was a kid I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself here but when I was a kid watching tv I was watching Benny Hill I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Benny Hill yeah <laughs> Man, that guy, yeah. he changed my life, man. I stay up at night trying to emulate Benny Hill, uh, slapping my brother on the top of his head and stuff like that. And uh, it was just good times, man. Then oh, we know we know Benny Hill on this show, Kevin. Me and Vince Tedesco, our producer, are both in our mid-60s. Uh, so we know. What you just say? Hilarious. We know who Benny Hill is. I mean, there's there definitely has been, and let's even go back, you know, a couple of years ago, even pre-pandemic, but they're really, and it feels like it took forever, but there really has only in the last few years finally been this sort of thing that broke open and this sort of groundswell where diversity became more important in Canadian comedy. I mean, you look at the festival lineups over the last few years and who who's on television and what series are getting greenlit. Before, there was always a very tokenism thing happening. I mean, and going beyond comics of color, I mean, you look at queer comics. It used to be like, oh yeah, during Pride Month, there'll be like 10 billion queer-focused comedy shows and then you don't see any of those people for the rest of the year. There might be like one of them on a lineup somewhere because the producer thought, I have to put somebody on there. I mean, Daniel and Keisha, you've, you've both been at this a long time. You've been on the Toronto scene for years, producing your own stuff. Does it feel a lot different now than it did 10 years ago when this started? Uh, yes. I don't know. Like, <laughs> That's a long question. There. Yeah. I still get booked in February way more than I ever get booked. So <laughs> it's like people suddenly remember, oh, yeah. <laughs> they remember all the Black comics where they're at in February, but... I think it's definitely changed because there's like it's not like a crazy thing to do an all black tour now. Like it's the funny thing is we found out like no one actually did it in Canada before we did, and that was only 10 years ago. Like no one did it, no one tried. Yeah. So that was a surprising thing. But I've also noticed there's becoming more and more black comedians as the time goes on. There was really a small pool at, at the beginning, like literally everyone that was on the tour. Kevin was on my very first Perfect Ten show at Comedy Bar, actually. Nice. Was Daniel best. was on my show at the Comedy Bar. I had a show called The Heckler Show. Oh, a long time ago. And oh. Daniel wrote, I was like, we had a show where Bring everybody, the crowd heckles the everybody. Show? And then everybody was like, okay, that's a pretty good idea. So and I then it just show. ended up all the comics heckling the one comic. Yeah. <laughs> The comedians are on stage and then the, the audience is like warming up to the idea. They're like, okay, this is okay. This is okay. And Daniel and Dred Lee go, fuck this, man. Let, let's amp this shit up. And they go in the back of the room and they start going, ooh, ooh, this guy sucks. <laughs> Look at his shoes. And I remember Jazzman was on stage and Jazzman was like trying to really go through with material. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey. He was right. really trying to do a set. 
Like, yeah, not even talking to heckling. In the back. He's just like, get this guy on stage. And then the crowd joined in. They were like, let's get this guy. And they were just like going, going, going. I remember Jasmine came back and goes, this is a horrible idea. This is, hor- this is stupid. <laughs> the crowd was loving it. The crowd was loving it. <laughs> and, shows and I remember like that Daniel was there. The and I was like, man, you guys are like the Muppets. They were like, you know those two old guys at the Muppet show? Yeah, yeah. And then there was the gong show. Do you guys remember the gong show? Oh my yes. gosh, there were so many different themes of that. There was the ranch room back in the day. You don't see a lot of that. See, that's what you had to do to do a comedy show before, though. You had to have like a hook and like yeah. a fun thing that's like, this isn't technically just comedy. Don't worry, guys. And now you could just be like, here's stand up. Mm-hmm. You don't even know. I didn't even put pictures on the flyer or or names. Just come. And people are like, oh, I want to see comedy. <laughs> It's like sick. It's gotten to that point where basically someone in the neighborhood could see that there's a comedy show at a bar and they might actually come without being yeah. like that. Yeah, I'm huge. about to get a text poster right now, so you're not lying. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. There used to have to be like everything had to be like high concept and gimmicky. Like yeah. there'd be shows where it's like everybody's going to do their set where they aren't facing the audience and they're wearing <laughs> Like you know, idea, man. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> yeah, but it was true. I mean, it was. It, 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 you had to have like a hook, because otherwise people would just sort of walk past comedy flyers back when we used to put those out and poster for shows, and people would just go, "Eh, I don't know." <laughs> so well, you had comedy, to have comedy's been done a whole lot of years. Like there's like 40, 50 years of comedy. So it's like, what's yeah. new with your comedy show? You know what I mean? It's like you got to think of something new to attract people. But then again, at the end of the day. Content is content. People exactly. Yeah. People need something to do. All right. Speaking of that, we're going to go to break and I want to come back and pick your brains on sort of how audience tastes have changed because I feel like we can go down the rabbit hole of some pretty wild shows that used to exist here in Toronto. We're going to come back with more of our Underground Railroad 10th anniversary of the comedy tour right here on Inside Jokes. Hey, it's uh, Daniel Woodrow, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Get your coffee ready. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto. We are talking the Underground Railroad Comedy Tour, which is turning 10 years old. We got a full panel tonight, and a lot has changed in Canadian comedy in 10 years, COVID aside, even just in general, audience have changed. The festivals have changed. What you see on network TV has hugely changed. Uh, I really do feel like it's the age of the independent and it really is tours like this that are sort of leading the way now in Canadian comedy. And this is the stuff that has existed throughout the entire pandemic. There are, there might be still gatekeepers, but I feel like that's not who was running Canadian comedy during this entire thing. Uh, Daniel, I'll throw it, I'll throw it to you coming out of the break. I mean, we were talking before about how, you know, there used to be all these sort of like, you had to have a gimmick to comedy Mm -hmm. shows in cities like Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal back in the day. And you had to sort of have this like weird hook to bring people in. I also feel like because there was a lot less going on and because it was still sort of a new thing and places like Combi Bar were new venues and there was sort of this new generation of comics, audiences were a lot different too. I mean, audiences used to be a lot more sort of rough around the edges, let's say, yeah. the comedy. You I had mean, to train the people. <laughs> you had to train the people. Well, I mean, even, you know, we were talking, of course, about Kenny Robinson's Nubian show, which a lot of comics cut their teeth on that stage. I mean, that 
that audience was notorious for just they were like a New York crowd. They were like, if they didn't like what you had to say, you felt that immediately. <laughs> they let you know right away. I think I re- the first show I remember somebody producing that was a comic that started a show while I was doing comedy would be Mark Bonus's room at Fox in the Fiddle. Yeah. At, uh, Eglinton. Like that room was either good or insanely wild. You never yeah. knew what you were going to get. And also the Finch that I don't know, Kevin, if you remember the one at, or maybe Keisha, the one at Finch, Keila, uh, Finch, Jane and Finch. That show was the pool tables, the pool tables. Yeah. The gladiator warrior battle zone of comedy. Like it was great. on the best case scenario, you'll have an audience that's half talking, half listening to you. Worst case scenario, there are physical fights happening in the audience and they're they're coming to, to get you. Like the show was all while you're on stage. They, I swear to God, like there's been people rushed on stage. There's been fights during the show. There's been fights outside. Like that show is just. I had somebody come up and try to take the mic. Hold on, let me take the That's mic. A... Let me take some real yeah, quick. Yeah, go, go, go. Yeah. If you can believe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that stuff makes you strong as a comedian, though. That, like, if you can perform and last through that, like, you kind of need those shows, to be honest. Like, that was the only shows we had that were comedy clubs, but now there's like, like you know, comedy boot camp. Like, yeah. what do you do when somebody think, bum rushes the stage? I think Comedy Bar really changed the scene for Toronto, to be honest, because it was like if people didn't want to go to a club or they didn't live downtown, they would go there and be like, oh, comedy is kind of cool. Like every time we go, there's something different. And now you notice when people are like, oh, you do comedy, but you do comedy. Do you ever do shows at Comedy Bar? Instead of like, do you ever do show at Yuck Yucks? I get people asking me if I do shows at Comedy Bar more now. Yeah. So it's like it, clearly that cycled so many people through that it started to enjoy comedy that it spread out throughout the city. And now people go support their local stuff. It is true. It really was this sort of, you know, if you build it, they will come thing because all of a sudden you had audiences coming in on purpose to watch live comedy, which for Toronto comics before that was kind of unheard of. Yeah, (laughs) it's weird. There's people that just show up on the weekend to see a comedy show. They don't even know what shows are happening. They just ask at the box office and that blows my mind. I don't even go to movies that way. (laughs) It is true because I mean, aside from the two comedy clubs at the time, 90% 90% of other shows were kind of like, there was a really high chance that you would have an audience that were completely unaware that a stand-up show was about to happen. And yeah. usually people don't like being surprised by that. <laughs> usually it doesn't go over well, which I think explained shows yeah. like the Fox of Fiddle quite well, because you really never knew whether you're walking into a full-out brawl yeah. or an attentive audience. Even Heckler... You don't want that being someone's first comedy experience either because like you always meet those people like yeah I went to see comedy once it was like really weird it was like at this place and you're like oh yeah like that's totally fair. (laughs) There was a rabbit someone had their baby on the side you know you don't. (laughs) Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. I I mean even even there, there used to be like legendary hecklers back then I mean I'm sure a lot of us remember Vapor Village and Rudiger. Rudiger was like the he was like the Wayne Gretzky of hecklers. He was like the all-time champion of heckling. You know, he was Le- the LeBron of heckling. Oh, and everybody yeah. would, you knew what you were walking into every single time you did that show. You weren't there to even talk to the audience. You were there to try and dismantle this heckler and see if you could do it. God, an enabled or like an empowered heckler. There's nothing scarier. 
<laughs> that was like Nubian show too. They yeah. think that the show the, needs them. It's so hilarious. Old Nubian <laughs> show too was pretty cutthroat. Like there would be a guy that like this big dreadhead uh, guy that would just go, boo, like if they didn't like your joke. And then the whole room would just go, boo. <laughs> yeah. There was a boo booth. Like they'd come there to boo. Oh, they oh, tell oh. them they like, yeah, go to you go to boo. Like, I really and I mean I really do think you know and again the, obviously the pandemic played a huge part in this too but tours like this tours like Underground Railroad the reason why this stuff is sort of reaching this wide audience and hitting these benchmarks of being this long lasting and becoming sort of the new brands in Canadian comedy is really because it's it's comics themselves and independent producers like all of you on this panel that really kept things running and now when you look at what's on CBC Gem and what's on network TV in Canada and what's happening on the festivals. It's all comics from hubs like Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver and Ottawa that we all sort of work with. And we all came up with that's, that's who's on TV now. And that's who's on festivals now because the industry all of a sudden had to sort of turn around and go, these are the people who are producing everything now. Yep. You know, I mean, Everybody, like Kevin, I'm sure you remember Daniel, Keisha, Tamara, and Sashka. I mean, it's not, you know, wasn't even that much different a couple of years ago, but it really was always that you would, you would sort of hit open mics, hone your material, come up with your tight seven or tight 10 or whatever. And then you would go and showcase for one of the two comedy clubs. And yeah, that was, that's what it was. kind so of people it. Wanted to branch out. People <laughs> yeah. wanted to branch out and get on stages. So they couldn't wait for the main clubs to, you know, put them yeah. on. So they just went and did their own thing. And like, there's only a couple open mics. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't even practice. Like there was yeah. no, there was nothing. Now I think it's true. I think we're going to see a way different comedy landscape coming out of this as things do reopen. There's going to be like yes, there's still those clubs, and you can still go to your auditions and go and 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 showcase for them to be signed and all that. But I think there's way less of a premium now on being picked up by one of the clubs and getting signed it kind of, it's not as do or die anymore. It doesn't mean what it used to mean because a lot of comics just went, well, we don't need to because we figured out how to do all this for ourselves finally. And now we just got to get us on TV now. Now you got to get on TV. That, yeah. that we get up with. Comedy Railroad on TV. <laughs> <laughs> After 10 years, who knows? All right, we're going to come back with more of the Railroad, figure out what some of these dates are and what they have coming up and what's happening on Sirius XM. We'll be right back with more Inside Joke. Hey, it's Tamara Siobhan. You're listening to Inside Jokes. Get your wine ready. It's going to be a good one. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto and of course coast to coast Canada wide on the Global News Radio Network. We are talking the Underground Railroad Comedy Tour kicking off this month. This February, it is 10 years old. Uh, before we go around the panel and wrap things up and figure out where you can see some of these live shows and online and what everybody has going on, uh, you also are taking over Sirius XM for the month of February to highlight some Canadian comics and comics of color. Uh, I guess, Daniel, I'll throw that over to you. So what's going on on, on the airwaves at Sirius for you? Uh, so me and Rodney Ramsey are going to be hosting a Ben Miner show, Comic Stripped, on AFL Radio, which is a Monday at eight o'clock. We're going to be hosting every Monday for the month of February. 
to promote an album we're releasing to celebrate the Underground Comedy Railroad. Uh, it's a 10 year anniversary album. So it's going to be playing on Sirius XM in the US and Canada for all of February, and then we'll be releasing it publicly. So we're going to be on there to promote. We were going to bring on the uh, uh, Keisha Brownie as a guest who was on the album, Sabrina Douglas, and then we had a couple other friends come by and hang out. And uh, yeah, it's going to be cool. We, uh, you know, we uh, took over the radio waves. We locked Ben Miner in a closet and held him hostage and took over his show. Pretty good. Hostile takeover. How did you, how, how much did you sort of like dig into the archives for this album too? Like, was it a sort of, is it sort of a, a cross section of what's happened for the entire decade for this tour? No, not really. It's just like, uh, we just took like, well, it's only like Sabrina, uh, Keisha, me and Rodney on the album. Uh, we're going to be, I mean, there's a rumor, a little rumor that we'll be recording another one next year. I'm not sure. Obviously nothing solid yet, but that's the hope. So we'll be able to get more people on. But yeah, we just wanted to like kind of, it's kind of just like them doing whatever they wanted. We didn't really control the material people did, but it's more just like what's relevant now, I guess. And um, yeah, it's just a good way to like, Kind of put a button on the 10 years i felt nice so we got the tour we got the album and then mondays on jfl radio on sirius xm tamara siobhan we'll kick it over to you where can we find you online and of course you were on not too long ago plugging your album this past year mm -hmm. yeah like uh buy the album twice for sure so you can still get the <laughs> album first line it's out there <laughs> there's first line merch now too so you know just go to my band camp tamarashiobhan.bandcamp.com um on Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at T-E-E-M-A-I-R. T -E -E -M -A -I -R. And then you can find out, find out where my new shows are um, at TamaraShavon.com. There we go. TamaraShavon.com. Sashka DC, where can we find you online? And of course, you will be on this live 10-year anniversary tour. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be on the tour. I'm very excited. Uh, this is my second time, I do believe, being on it. Um, yeah, you can find me at uh, Sashka DC. Um, on Instagram, as well as uh, I do produce a show and it's called Anxiety Noir. You can also find that on Instagram. Um, I have four shows coming up this month. Um, the 7th with Kenny Robinson as a headliner. The 14th, I got Tamara and Daniel. The 21st, I have Keisha headlining. And on the 28th, I have Che Dorena, who is also a really hilarious comedian as well. There we go. Beautiful. And Kevin Christopher, where can we find you online, my friend? Uh, you can find me online at OG Kevin Chris. Uh, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, I got some shows coming up. Uh, we'll, I'll be on the Stand Up Stitches uh, show. And uh, you can also check out my upcoming movie, The Man from Philadelphia, coming out Ooh. soon. Ooh. There we go. You're rocking the merch even for those. For our oh, I? I didn't even, oh, oh. I didn't even, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Kevin did think this was a TV show this entire time. Uh, we would have been canceled many seasons ago if it was, uh, but there you go. <laughs> Follow OG Kevin Chris. Keisha Brownie, of course you have. So this, the 10 year anniversary of the Underground Railroad Tour is coming to what I would say is your home stage, the Rose Theater in Brampton. So when can we see that? Where can we find you? Yes, yes, Dean, you are correct. Uh, it's heading to the Rose at Stand Up Stitches. That's on February, Saturday, February 26th at 7 p.m. Um, it's a free show because it's live broadcast. Is All you got to do is go on the Rose Theater website, look up the name of the show, Stand Up Stitches, look for the Underground Comedy Railroad Tour, and we'll like see you through the sound waves or 
virtual waves. It should be good. It should be good. Um, got a couple shows coming up in Brampton. I'm not, not in Brampton. Why am I so married to that place? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I meant to say in February as well. And you can catch all the upcoming shows on my um on my link tree, which is just link tree slash Keisha Brownie, K-E-E-S-H-A, Brownie like the dessert. And I'm also on Twitter. Yeah, because I was recently hacked on Instagram, but that's okay. That's all right. I'm approaching my three-month hack anniversary, but we're not going to talk about that. Maybe at the last <laughs> comedy shows. We might mention it. We might mention it, but yeah. There we go. <laughs> so it wasn't actually you. There is no OnlyFans on your Instagram that was all fake. That's not, that's, yeah, that's the other t-shirts. I don't know. I don't know about you have to go to her Twitter for that. Yeah, there we go. Uh, before before we do wrap it up, Daniel, I'll leave it on a cliffhanger here. So yes, it is the 10 year anniversary of the Underground Railroad Tour. Do you see this at some point? Maybe going Canada wide once things are fully reopened. Is that oh, yeah. is that in the realm of possibility? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, we were we were fully on planning on doing that this year, but uh, we were going to make it like the biggest tour we've done yet. And we we're going to try to like branch out. But yeah, we could we can't do it this year. That makes no sense. It's not safe. You know, uh, co-producer Rodney has two small children at home and a wife that will probably physically not let him leave for tour. So uh, <laughs> here we are virtual. <laughs> there we go. Thank you all to our panel. Once again, uh, check out some of those dates for the Underground Railroad Comedy Tour 10 year anniversary. Check out the album. And of course, uh, you can find our friends over at JFL Radio on Sirius XM all month long, talking about some of their comics and influences in Canada. That is our show. Don't forget, you can listen to all of our episodes right back to the beginning of time on Global News Online. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx is Daniel Woodrow. Uh, I'm not very good at basketball, so that's a thing. I know, six foot two black guy, not good at basketball. It's like being a white guy with no money. Like, what's your purpose, you know? <laughs> what are you good for? I like going by basketball courts, though, when white people are playing, because they're like, we want that guy. And I'm like, okay. Airball, again. And they can't kick me off, or that's just racism. So that's how that goes. Thank you. I was homeschooled as a child. Anyone else? No, exactly. Here's the thing <laughs> about being homeschooled is you can only be as smart as your mom. So that's it. You know what I mean? If your mom's not a teacher, that's too bad for you. You're a comedian. No. I'll spend the rest of your life competing for $15,000 of survival money. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's no prize. No prize. I'm not going to go on vacation. I'm just going to live the rest of the year if I win this. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. <laughs>